0: Welcome to Heavy Strategy, where we much prefer unanswered questions to unquestioned answers. And one of the unanswered questions we've got today is the question of whether or not and to what degree there is a need for professional certification, professional training, and professional regulation of IT folks. Mm -hmm. Greg, you and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we got an Awful lot of feedback from uh, from our listeners, and I think we you have thought further on it and have some more to say, and we also have more feedback to to weigh in. So why don't you go ahead and lay out your thoughts on that? Okay,
1: the basic idea was that a lot of IT infrastructure and IT strategies that we talk about are fundamentally undisciplined and uncontrolled. What we call best practices aren't actually defined. Like who defines them as best? Usually, it's just a couple of people who like to blog a bit. And they just put an opinion out there. And if everybody agrees with it, then that's a best practice. Or it might be a bunch of vendors who are creating, you know, scenarios which are advantageous to them. And if everybody agrees and but there's a lack of uh, unaligned opinions, in my view, that there should be some sort of regulation or control over who makes the decisions. You're talking about people who spend hundreds of millions of dollars of money on behalf of a company. And yet almost anybody can speak up and say, this is the right way to spend money, on the basis of what, right, Jonah? What, what, what do we do to say this person is the right person to say this $10 million purchase is the right purchase for the company? The, the question
0: of what is the best practice is what you're getting at. And I know you have one answer to that, but I will humbly submit <laughs> yeah. that I basically started a company to address this, and I don't think that the answer to what is a best practice comes from some form of regulation or structure. What we do fundamentally is conduct primary research to see what behaviors, what practices align with actual measurable success, and then list those as best practices. So this isn't our opinion. This right. isn't what we think. This isn't what our other clients say. This is what aligns with measurable success. And so you what can I would point to
1: facts, but the person yeah. who's interpreting those facts is not necessarily the right person to do so.
0: I don't know what you mean by that because we are not asking them to interpret facts. You could just as easily
1: ask ask a used car salesman to interpret the facts and the advice that you've given them upon whom a company may rely. So if you're a company that- I I
0: don't understand that logic because basically I go in and I say to an IT professional, here is the behavior that aligns with with actual success. You can either follow it or not follow it. Mm. That's up to you. But this is what actually works but yeah. based on primary research so there's no used car salesman in this picture no, no no person, no no at... the...
1: no but the company no, but, I mean, is the receiving IT your person. advice but
0: could... the it person but the it person is not a used car salesman either because he or she just looks at me and goes either no i'm not going to believe you or yes i'm going to believe you there's yeah. not a lot of room for like interpretation that's <laughs> but, that's why I think that analogy is flawed. Okay,
1: so l- let me try and make a uh, drawing a, a very long bow of analogy. When you go into hospital, go say you turn up with a broken leg, you might get handled <laughs> by a unqualified, unregulated professional on the on the desk there to check you in. You'll probably then be seen by a nurse who is trained and qualified to some level, and then you would be passed to a doctor who is actually both. Trained, qualified, and regulated. That is, the doctor actually is required to maintain certain levels, they're part of a group, and they're no longer allowed to practice if they suffer some sort of malpractice. You know, if something goes wrong or they make mistakes, they can have their license removed. But even then, the doctor in the ER won't make a final decision on your leg. They will refer you to an orthopedic surgeon who will then analyze just how bad it is and make the final decision about your treatment, especially in terms of long-term care. In IT, we have none of that. There is no requirement for training. There is no qualifications except industry vendor-led qualifications, which are obviously often very self-interested and very distorted. And there's no regulated positions where, how do I have people who belong to bodies who suffer some sort of loss? So if you look at, let's talk about civil engineering, right? And an architect in a civil engineering context gets a general feel of the building and then lays it out. But then they go to a structural engineer to say, if I built this building out of this particular material, very and they they lay it out very generally, then the structural engineer and the mechanical engineer and then the electrical engineer will get together and say, well, if I need to put this much power in, uh, the structural engineer will analyze how much concrete, you know, how much weight is on the building, what do the foundations have to look like, they'll even be specialist structural engineers. Now, those people are all qualified. They're not regulated in the same way that a doctor is, but they are all Able to say to an, you know, an insurance company will come along to insure the building and say, was this designed by a qualified structural engineer and a qualified architect and a qualified, you know, where's the mechanical engineering survey? Where's the things? We don't have any of that in IT.
0: Um, So let me ask you a very Hmm. blunt question here, Greg. Would your goal in having all that be to do things that work or do things that are CYA and certified and can be defensible? It's a, it's a very important question because if your end goal is be defensible, that's one, that's one strategy. And if
1: your end goal is for things that work, then I've got a few things to share. Okay. I think there's a few things coming up that we're starting to see where executives- of No, companies no, but are... can, you, can you answer the question? I am. Though? I'm getting there. The okay. first thing okay. that we're seeing executives start to push back on in IT is how are you going to reduce my business risk? How do I know that when IT stops working that it, that you are actually doing the right thing? The second thing that we're increasingly seeing is insurance risk. Insurers are no longer gonna insure IT for security risks or for outages because there's just no practical way to say this infrastructure is well-designed and well-run. How do you say, how does an insurer come in and look at your... And increasingly, what we can't do is imply common insurance. Uh, medical insurance in most countries is worked on the basis that if you've got 10 million people in a pool, on average, this many people will have cancer, this many people will have... So we can roughly know how much the insurance is going to cost across so, all large So let, let me
0: break in here, Greg. You're basically saying the goal here is CYA, which is fine, but I want to highlight something about the model that you've proposed, mm. sort of as a as a loose backdrop here. Well,
1: I haven't proposed a model um, yet. No, might, well, might... well, you've
0: talked about you've talked about a scenario where mm. you're always seen by qualified professionals once you get past the receptionist. Mm. And I just want to point out that when you're when you're using medical treatment as a model, there is a a frightening paucity in connecting standard of care to what actually works. And let me give you yeah. a very concrete example. Been, there's been a certain kind of surgery that people do for knee problems and they've been doing it for about 30 years and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's the standard of care. Everyone does it when you come in with this particular knee problem, you get this kind of surgery. And it wasn't until somebody did a double blind test where they actually did, mm-hmm. they would sedate people, they would go in, pretend to do surgery and not do surgery, but they did just enough surgery that the person had some healing afterwards and they mm-hmm. found Absolutely no correlation between getting the surgery and and having that that and that is the value of a fixed. regulated
1: profession. because no, those what, sorts of my, studies no, are done. No, you wouldn't no, do that. My, you wouldn't do that study in IT. Nobody would admit to the no, failure.
0: Uh, first, first of all, Greg, mm-hmm. I do those studies. So mm-hmm. Nemertes does do those studies. Second mm-hmm. of all they don't do them in medicine in all of the regulation that exists in medicine this is a this stood out because it was such a rarity oh yeah standard of, of care standard of care exists it's defined largely based on what everybody else does and not what works and that's why i'm raising yeah. the issue now that, is say, now that is a negative now that is a negative of say, regulated professionals well regular regulation when you ask for regulation you're asking for people to conform to a set of practices you are not necessarily asking for those practices to conform to being effective that's a much bigger harder problem mm-hmm. and again i started a company in it and we've been doing this for 20 years precisely to yep. answer the question of does it work even in medicine and in most other regulated industries you actually aren't proving that it works. You're simply proving that you've crossed the T's and
1: dotted. I would say the reverse condition exists here. We buy products from vendors or from open source with zero guarantees that the product works and zero guarantees that there'll be any support or maintenance ever, right? And all risk is held by the buyer. Most technology companies sell their hardware with a 90-day guarantee. And it's not even a functional guarantee. It's just that it will turn on and that's it. They don't guarantee that it will run Windows. They don't guarantee that it will run Linux. And so the customer has uh, has all responsibility and liability. And yet we're now in the position of saying, we're running companies IT-centric. They're totally technology companies in a completely uncontrolled manner. And I think we're going to get into the situation where, goes back to the industrial revolution remember when the industrial revolution came along and it was just this wild west where people would make factories and put children in them the machines would be vastly unsafe what we're in in it is approximating that kind of thing we have these enormous computing technology stacks they're inherently unsafe they're damaging to the business when they break there's no guarantees that they will work or be profitable and we're sort of getting to the point where as, as we continue to move forward, as the industry grows and as we rely more and more on technology, AI being a case in point, should we not be changing the way we work?
0: Well, I would argue, yes, but not the way you're, you're recommending. But I do hmm. want to highlight something that's important uh, from one of, our, one of our listeners who writes, in regards to professional certifications for engineers, perhaps we can take a lesson from pharma. The regulatory affairs officer is the final stop for what goes on and they can have criminal liability. But they also have protection if it can be shown they followed best practices. Mm. With quotes around the best practices, because clearly this person understands that the mm-hmm. best practices may not be best; they're simply agreed upon. Uh, then liability moves up. Even if you require engineering certification without protection, when the liable is, liability is ignored, it has no value. So essentially, you and he or she. Are talking, about, uh, are talking about CYA and answering your question, no, no, is it it's time not to move into a CYA ass. mode it's for CEOs IT and because so
1: much depends on it? And shareholders sh- demanding. That, no,
0: that's exactly what you're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. No, no. I'm saying this is going to come from the top. You're going to see shareholders demanding. It doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because see I've never, well, first of all, I work with enterprises and I've not seen that. I yeah. have not seen that at all. I've mm-hmm. seen boards come in and say, I really want to understand what's going on here. I want to understand what risks you think, Mr. CISO and Ms. C- CIO, mm-hmm. we have. But I don't see people coming in and saying, oh, I want, I want an absolute ironclad guarantee that we're no worse off than our peers, so I won't go to jail. We're not seeing that. Maybe we will in the future, and that's why I'm I'm engaging yes. in this discussion.
1: Okay, that's, But I haven't that's seen what I'm saying, that right? way. I but am let definitely... me just,
0: that is a CYA model. That is not, let's use the technology to make it work. That's a, let me not be liable. So it doesn't matter where it's coming from, the board, the CEO, the CIO, the engineer, it doesn't matter. That's CYA.
1: I think that this is what we are seeing. I think we're going to see CEOs and the whole organization and external parties to companies. Shareholders are going to demand that IT spend is going to have to be much better spent we're already seeing it happen, and I think you could hold up crypto as an example of where we're happening. Crypto happened, they were let go as an unregulated, and we saw 22-year-olds managing $12 billion worth of funds or you know even more in an Excel spreadsheet and doing all sorts of unrealistic and improbable things because they were A, unqualified, and B, unregulated. They could just do whatever they like, and nobody was watching them. And now the crypto is being sucked into the traditional banking system, kicking and screaming, and they're going to have to employ qualified professionals in a regulated marketplace. They're not going to be allowed to do it. I think IT is going to, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but progressively over time, It's going to rely on qualifications and it's going to rely much more on regulation as we see the industry really, really become serious. Like I would posit to you that we are still not even serious about IT today. We're still in the early stages. So this is why I like debating with you, because Mm -hmm. on the one hand, I would argue that I'm not
0: seeing any of this at all. And I'm talking to senior executives and board members all the time. Mm -hmm. The idea that something's going going to happen. You can say, well, this thing is going to happen and I'm seeing it. Great, but no. But that said, I will agree very, very forcefully with what you just said. And in fact, I'll I'll give you an example because quite a lot of people were up in arms about Elizabeth Holmes, Mm. the former CEO of Theranos, did and she just went to jail yesterday so it's top of mind Mm. and quite a lot of people are saying well it's different because she was in healthcare, so she should go to jail because there were actual lives involved and my response my stock response to that is do you think that's not the case with IT (laughs) every company is now dependent on Mm -hmm. IT and I will absolutely grant you absolutely 100% that the idea of what IT is good for has not caught up with the reality for what it does. We're we're still managing IT as though we're back in the days of, you know, putting, putting desktops on lands. And the reality is self-driving cars and controlling the environment and lives are now really depending on IT. So yes, I'll grant you that the the pieces are all in place for definitely a need to get more serious. I think you ha- you can have an entire set of regulations and usually do that have nothing to do with what best practices are and everything to do with what everybody else is doing so I don't get sued. Yeah. That's actually not helpful and it's not going to work if you try to force. Well, that's the threat, that right? Model. Now, the
1: trick is if you can get sued and the defense against legal liability or the defense against people looking for justice. So you have to realise here that the concept of justice applies here. Justice doesn't prevent an accident from happening or prevent people from killing or doing crime. It makes the cost of doing crime higher. And so what we need here is a system that says this system went down, somebody, something happened. There was some sort of wrong that was committed against society or against a purpose. You know, if somebody loses all their money in a bank crash because the IT system failed, is the IT people liable? Well, I think increasingly you're going to see that, right? Because justice requires after the event that society punishes somebody so that there's an incentive for people to do something better the next time around. That's the nature of justice it happens after the damage has been done. Then comes the liability, which is associated with that. Once an injustice has occurred, somebody may attach financial liability, although a liability can happen without justice, right? I think we are getting to a situation where IT does become part of the justice system and liability as well.
0: Uh, well, I think we already have in, in the case of cybersecurity. And as you were talking, I flashed on the, the one and only that we know of case where a CISO went to jail for certain practices, which is Joe Sullivan of Uber, mm. who got sent to jail. Mm. However, I want so absolutely we're getting to the we're getting to the co- violent collision of justice and IT, at least, or cybersecurity in any event. However, I do want to highlight something. Mm. Uh, it's really, really important to distinguish between didn't follow the standard of care and didn't do something that was proven to have worked, because I think they're two different things. And the case of Joe Sullivan is actually very important, because what he went to jail for was failing to inform a bunch of people of the breach, which very interestingly was something that a couple of years later, the FBI decided was not, in fact, best practices. So he went to jail for something that wasn't was best practices at the time got changed later and really doesn't have any tight coupling to what works and what doesn't work. And that's, that's my area of of
1: focus. What works and what doesn't. Let me give you another example. Let's talk about legal professionals. Then you can have legal assistants who have very little training, if any, and they just work at the lowest levels. Then you have lawyers and then you have barristers and then you might have Queen's uh, counsels, Well, you
0: know. Well, Greg, you're going to have to stop there because mm. the United States system is very, very different from the yeah. Australian or UK system. So just to sure. be clear, you're talking but about outside the US.
1: There is tiers and only certain types of regulated professionals are allowed to undertake certain activities. So if you want to take a senior criminal case, and you want to uh, have a barrister you don't want to be represented by a solicitor you may be represented that,
0: that is not actually the case in the u.s basically anyone who passes the bar can hang out a shingle and say I'm practicing law and today I'm a civil attorney tomorrow I'm a criminal attorney right. it's not like you have to go past tests
1: okay what you do in other countries right so let's move yes. to a different so one. That's let's look big at the difference. nuclear let's talk about the nuclear industry then so in the- uh,
0: which I'm somewhat familiar with since my dad was in it for quite a <laughs> while about so 50 in the years. nuclear
1: industry when they build a reactor they conduct years of analysis and evaluations and drills and so forth. And then once the reactor is installed and deployed, you are strictly not allowed to change anything without redoing all of those tests. Now, in one reactor that I was involved in, they only certified the reactor to work with an operational environment up to 1 gigahertz. In other words, AM, FM, you know, various frequencies around the television. And any attempt to deploy equipment beyond 1 gigahertz was not that it was not permitted. It wasn't actually permitted or a part of the approved design. That could be a model. I think that's an extreme model, but, you know, why not? For the very simple reason
0: that have you noticed there aren't any more nuclear reactors being built? What mm. happened was the overregulation, and, in fairness you know, the civilian universe does not follow regulation well, so that's a whole different discussion. But essentially, overregulation completely killed nuclear energy. So now we're sitting around, you know, we're sitting around whining about climate change and fossil fuels. And we could have had perfectly fine energy sources 30 years ago if we hadn't, you know,
1: just decided. Well, I that would argue no way. That we've had so few nuclear accidents that the regulations actually worked. The risk. Um. Yes, yeah, and we okay. don't have.
0: Yeah, we, but we don't have nuclear energy. So if you want to put that level of regulation on IT, we're yes. going to go back to using abacuses.
1: Yeah. Now um, I think me... nuclear regulation, that sort of approach, like whatever is not yeah. specifically included in the design is explicitly excluded until tested and validated by a large team. I think that's too far. Technology needs to have more needs to maintain a pace of innovation and change to deliver benefits. But equally, you don't need somebody like Elizabeth Holmes just turning up and saying, I'm a, I'm an expert. I know. Why and, don't I just put people's lives at risk so I can make money because I'm an egotist and a, and a sociopath?
0: And I agree she's an egotist and a sociopath. So there we have another point of agreement. <laughs> uh, I would like to actually turn to another comment because it backs up my position on this. So, of course, I want to turn to it. Yep. Uh, my enterprise perspective rant. Piggybacking on what Greg mentioned, I think for standardization to work in IT, you need a governing body like the IETF to have more T. Then he he uses a couple examples and he jumps in and says, so as a practitioner, we end up creating our own codes and sets of procedures to make make things work. A simple example is the varying implementations of spanning tree, which after 25 plus years in the industry still has interoperability issues. I would argue, and this is again our our listener, I would argue that in 2023, nothing can melt down an enterprise data center faster. If the current model is never challenged for better or for worse, I think every system will be a snowflake resulting in operators doing their best to mimic a standardized body, which is what you just said. On a side note, I still think the journeyman system is the best and most practical in our field. It teaches yes. practitioners what not to do, which is a very valuable skill set given the rapid pace of innovation and change. And let me just piggyback onto his piggyback. Mm-hmm. My point is, if there were, let's posit that there were an industry organization such as the IETF, but focused on IT enterprise IT practitioners. Mm-hmm. And if that group were to constantly be seeking best practices, I think one thing they would need to do is very explicitly always have data behind their definition of what a best practice is. So yeah. instead of saying a best practice is what everybody in this industry does, it should be, hey, we have actually looked at this and seen that it aligns with success, the same way Namurdies does this, does yes, the, right. the research yes. to yeah. determine that. If you put, had a let's put the discussion
1: that, around how do you create A professional organization that approves regulated professionals. We'll put that in. That may actually be a whole show of its own. I
0: think that's a great idea. Yes. Let's talk about that.
1: I think the thing to have here is that the idea of regulated professionals doesn't have to mean that everybody is a regulated professional. You can have a- Oh, that's
0: an excellent point. You brought that up earlier and I want you to spend
1: more time on that. So I've worked in different environments here. When I've done high security deployments, They have been audited by a particular auditor who is regulated, an IT security regulator. And there's usually only like about a half a dozen of them in the UK at any one time. Uh, And they come in and they look at your design, they sit down and pick it apart for days. And eventually they say, this design meets the standards, you can go and put that in. Those mm-hmm. people have decades of experience, and they're usually working according to some defined standard. The body that they are regulated by says you need to follow these guidelines and these rules. Now, this is a very unique and specific circumstance for the highest of high security requirements, and you don't normally hear them talked about outside of four walls. Those are trained auditors, and that is one way. So, if we look at what we do in accounting, for example, which is to sort of draw from another industry, in accounting, a company submits its books to an auditor, and the the auditor is usually part of a certified body. They may also be part of a company in its own right. So we have auditing firms that maintain a stock of certified auditors, who then have supporting teams so that they can conduct the audit. But they're usually signed off by an auditor who takes responsibility, both for fiduciary, so they can be sued, and they are financially liable and legally liable for those things. But they're also conducting a survey. So when you see your financial reports go up on the stock market, they're signed off by an auditor, usually, like the company submits its audited reports. That's a possible way for us to go.
0: Possibly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read another follow-up from one of our listeners who says lots of complimentary things about us, but I'll skip that. And he or she points out, I've been an IT professional for almost 20 years now. Now <clears throat> I've gone from an IT degree, if that's a word, intern doing only help desk to being an SME and team manager in the IT domain you can't even start without knowing a few basics so the accounting model mentioned really would not work hmm. uh, and then he goes on or she goes on to talk about the clear barrier between operations and engineering and engineering and architecture which again could be another yeah. uh, another deep dive but how would you answer that that you know look that accounting model just doesn't work in IT because of the need for understanding the basics
1: i i don't have an answer for you here because i think the whole thing has to evolve how do we define best practices in a fluid enough way that an insurance policy can be tested in a court of law and be validly yes this is good or no they made a well, bad mistake or, or I mean that is a very hard question to answer
0: well and i think there's a there's another issue that all of this discussion is kind of sidestepping around but that all of your all of your examples with the exception of medicine and i'm going to come back to that in a second don't address you know in these highly regulated areas. Mm. The problem is, as we talked about earlier, there's a spectrum of attitudes or stances that that organizations and entire industries take towards IT, Mm. ranging from conservative to leading edge, bleeding edge. And the big difference is whether you see IT as being a a competitive advantage and strategic differentiator for you. Mm. And if that's the case, then you are not necessarily going to want to follow the best practices because IT can actually make you more successful. And that's the, the problem is there's a significant percentage, anywhere from about forty to sixty percent. So basically, over half of most of the organizations we talk to are in that space and do see IT as a competitive advantage. The, the whole idea of adhering to best practices that were defined five years ago is a complete fail for them. So that's not going to work.
1: I think so. Uh, I think but that doesn't really mean... important. I think the flip side here is we don't have to see every company as having a regulated IT approach. And not all IT inside the company necessarily has to be under the control of a regulated or an audited system. So, for example, desktops. If Microsoft Office lasts for much longer in its current form and isn't replaced by something <laughs> oh, else. Oh, dear
0: God, right? please. Let's hope it doesn't, but carry on. Those
1: apps don't need to be regulated or have qualified professionals to operate. Uh,
0: oh, them. I would I would actually disagree on that highly because right, what because the right content, now-
1: maybe. Right? How do you? No, no,
0: no, 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 no. The apps themselves and the entire infrastructure that Microsoft delivers should actually adhere to some basic level of of regulation that says you are not introducing more bugs and vulnerabilities into the system than you are taking out. And right now, <laughs> yeah. Microsoft would fail that. So, side yeah. note. Carry on. But I mean, <laughs> and,
1: and it is. But it is a reality that companies turn to value-added resellers who have no skill. True. No talent, no no qualification, no guarantees of um, that they've done <laughs> right. any sort of learning or skill validation, and they will proceed to set themselves up as advisors to these companies to and spend true, yes. millions on a solution that is absolutely core to their business, right? And I don't think, and and this industry is a is an absolute uh, attracts these so-called entrepreneurs who are literally just they don't know that they're scam artists and making they're grifters making shit up yeah making they just make shit stuff up. up and then sit mm-hmm. there and say but i am an entrepreneur therefore you should and we have this there's a whole delusional industry around this now that's now this is starting to fade if you look around at the startup industry what you're seeing is college kids aren't being successful anymore they're not getting funded very often That is original flush back in the day was because there was no older, more mature people to fund into these startups. And who would be crazy enough to work for a startup at 20, like the 20-year-olds? Well, I
0: I actually disagree a little bit because I think there was a more concrete and solid reason. Because if you look at the evolution of Silicon Valley, up until approximately 1989 or thereabouts, maybe 1990, it was always Silicon Valley, but you walked into a venture cap, group, and you said, here's my box, and it does this thing called routing, and it's really interesting. Hmm. And you had a box, and it worked, and it did something sort of under the covers, but important. And the VCs were professionals from the industry, so they kind of walked around, looked at it, and said, yeah, it really does work. Hmm. Okay, here's some money. Then we moved very, very quickly into the monetizing eyeballs model, which was when Google and all the other ones started. And they kind of walked in with PowerPoints and said, if we could do this, great riches would ensue. And we moved into what I like to call the subjunctive mood. And all of a sudden, massive funding was going towards PowerPoint presentations and not working product. And that was a major shift that happened in the early 90s. And that's what kicked off, you know, the past 30 years of going down the wrong path in some respects. So yeah. it's not
1: just. Now, part of that is just money, you know, capital making decisions to protect itself, from you know being grifted or scammed or bad investments or whatever. No, that that over.
0: that was capital capital tolerating a high degree of scamming and grifting to get that one thing that that's
1: actually right. did work out the way. Yeah, the you might set You would. might fund a hundred startups, and you know ten of them might be scams. one Google. Yeah, to get one yeah. Google. Yeah. Oh, now, or
0: ninety of them might ninety of them might be scams, but, but that, that is 10th, no longer true, or 90. that is
1: much less yeah. true than it was now than ten years ago, and even much much less true than it was twenty years ago you won't find the VC. I'm not
0: sure that's true, but where are you going with it?
1: So this is the signals that I'm saying that are the signal that the market is turning, right? There is much more money at stake. We're seeing Investments, much fewer investments with much larger sums going into into companies now. So instead of this sort of- you know, uh, I
0: completely disagree. I uh, completely disagree. Look at the AI market. That that went completely insane after, after it's not, chat GPT and it's all funding nonsense. Yeah,
1: I'm saying generally. I'm not saying for specific. Once a market gets that buzz around it, you're, or like crypto just a few years ago was the same, right? Yeah, and there'll yes. be another one coming yeah. along in just a few years. There'll be another revolutionary technology that's going to do our hair and wipe our butts and all that sort of stuff. But in general, you are not seeing the investment in technologies of just crazy investment. You're seeing rational.
0: I would suggest that we do another deep dive on that because hmm. that, uh, as they say in the legal profession, that uh, that seems to imply facts, not an evidence. I don't actually see any great sanity in uh, in investments, I'm seeing that the investments are going to a different flavor of insanity this month. Hmm. Uh, if that's the case, and I don't disagree that it is, I just I don't spend a lot of time watching where people are putting investments. Ever since they stopped putting investments in things that actually work and started moving towards the no. we invest in PowerPoint slides, and I think now, we're still investing in lots of PowerPoint slides. And at you know,
1: yeah, let's take a look at um, civil engineering, like a housing market or the office market. We have a whole bunch of controls around people who build buildings because we don't want them to just collapse as soon as they're built. Look at the recent earthquake in Turkey where buildings that didn't have, they weren't a regulated industry. Anybody could build a building. So an earthquake came along and a large number of buildings fell down and people died and worse and, you know, survived and then stuck with starvation, no water and so forth, right? there is a there is an argument to be made that at least we could stop the worst excesses now i'm not saying we need to regulate for perfection. I think this is a mistake that a lot of people make is say, oh, but you're not letting me innovate. I think there's a, a role for regulated professionals to stop the worst of the abuses. And that is approximately similar to what happens in accounting. So, in accounting, you have to, once a company gets large enough, you need to have a certified practicing accountant on staff. That person's role isn't to bring the world's best practices of accounting it's to stop you from doing the worst practices in accounting, so prevent scams, prevent grift, you know, that type of stuff. We don't actually have to look at regulation as as preventing the best. Think of it as just preventing the worst. So you could actually just have to hop over a very low bar, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, It does, but I wanna play off something you said earlier because you didn't bring this up in our other conversations about this, but I think you may be Mm -hmm. onto something here. Uh, You know, you went on a little mini rant about how the vendors can sell you absolute nonsense and sawdust and we have no way of proving it other than testing it in our own labs, which most of my clients do. And no
1: liability Um, or guarantees.
0: And no liability. Right. So the question is, what if the bulk of this regulation went towards the vendors and the vendors' products? And hear me out on this. Mm. Because one of the big issues that i see with ai is everybody's talking about regulating ai and regulating the data sets and the inputs but that's actually a fool's errand you can't do that in any way in any meaningful way without using ai to do the regulation and then you've got the Mm. you know recursive turtles all the way down problem but if you put the onus on the vendors to pass a certain level of, of barriers that look this mostly will not break if you mostly use it as designed. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that would go a long, long way towards professionalizing IT without that could be a start, slowing right? down innovation. So that is today yeah. the
1: vendors will let you install something anywhere you like because they have no liability and no um, guarantees, right? And if you want to install it wrong and deploy it wrong, that's not their responsibility, and nor do they stop you. But what that also does is that entrenches the vendors because it makes it very difficult for a competitor to enter the market. This may or may not be a trade-off we want to Greg. Why? Because if You you made made a statement, I'm not
0: seeing the logic. Because if you want to have
1: a regulated solution or an approved solution, you can only buy it from vendors who have achieved approval, and therefore the ability... But for that
0: solution... But yes. the, the but it can't. It, it's not going to be a Cisco just got approved. It's going to be the Cisco X Y Z box got approved. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that changes the barrier, uh, or shouldn't necessarily make it any harder for a small company to get. I- Product XYZ. I, I am saying
1: that that trade-off exists. If you if you appoint regulated professionals or if you put regulation on an industry, in general, it entrenches the existing players. In fact, that is why the AI companies are insisting on regulation because that entrenches Excellent the early players. Point. Right? I point.
0: I would disagree, though, with an example from pharma. At least in the United States, there's been no problem with small pharmaceutical companies – starting crazy experimental drugs. In fact, what usually happens is exactly what's already been happening in the IT industry. You get a small startup that generates something, uh, it looks good, it starts passing regulation, and that's when the big company snaps it up and then throws you know billions of dollars yeah. of marketing on top of it. But
1: that may be a trade-off that we have to make. If you want IT yeah. to grow and to be safe, and to have some sort of liability where the vendors take the liability, you're going to have a trade off about what you can buy. You may not. But, be able but no, to-
0: you you just disregarded what I said and yeah. moved forward saying, notwithstanding what Jonah said, I'm going to hew to my original argument yeah. that it necessarily favors the incumbents, and I'm arguing that it doesn't. So yeah. I I don't know. I think that it, this is a even I think a it trade off. I know you, and it and can, it yeah. may
1: be but that it, that's something that you you accept. Right? There are in the medical profession we accept that hospitals and doctors are accredited and regulated and that is a reasonable trade off, right? Because the impact of quacks was worse than the impact of regulation.
0: Uh, well, yes but no. I mean I'm gonna come back to the pharmaceutical scenario. I don't know that it it, it is a trade off that even needs to happen. Yeah. I think there are ways to structure it such that there is no trade-off required. And yes, I think looking at the source, the other thing is- I mean, the flip side here is
1: that if you go back to an insurance Mm -hmm. company and say, look, I've had a regulated professional, Mm -hmm. a regulated and qualified professional come in and perform an audit on my network, I'd like a discount on my insurance. And they might get that. And the price of that might be worth it. Or they might want to be able to say to their shareholders, we have an IT which is- audited. Here's the audit to show that it's meeting at least minimum standards. But there might be other companies out there who choose not to, and that should be also permitted, right?
0: Yeah, but we're getting back into the uh, regulating IT and away from the regulating vendors. And I do want to hammer, you know, kind of hammer that one home, if if we could.
1: Yeah, I don't so, know that think... regulating vendors. It doesn't immediately strike me, based on our conversation here, that regulating the vendors will achieve the outcome that we want. Unless the ven- like, I don't ever see IT vendors accepting liability or guarantee or offering actual serious guarantees on their products because they can't. Okay. They're too incompetent at their products, and I think IT well, is incompetent generally.
0: Uh, But I do want to come back to Achieves, the the goal that we want, because I think there's still a fundamental disagreement on what that goal is. Hmm. You've been hammering home the desire to have some level of CYA-ness in place so that if something bad happens, at least the IT professionals or the board or their managers or the CEO or the CIO or whoever it is can say, but... It's not my fault. I did what everybody else is doing. Yes. And if that's the goal, then yeah, you need to regulate the hell yeah, out but of this. Just remember but that the my... most
1: likely way for this to happen is you're trying to stop the worst of the bad stuff. You're not trying to uh, prevent the, uh, you've got to be very careful that you, I call this lifting the floor, not the, and not lowering the ceiling. If you're going to bring regulation in, your goal is to bring the floor up from the dirt. Now that may mean that you need to lift the ceiling as well. But between the floor and the ceiling there's a whole lot of space for stuff to happen, innovation, emergence, but regulation I, will generally I, I lift the floor or uh, prevent the ceiling from going too high.
0: You you have a touching faith in the effectiveness, the efficacy of regulation. Hmm. And unfortunately I think we're coming very very close to the to the end of this particular show, yeah. but uh, as you said earlier, there's lots and lots of areas to I think we'll to do explore. I think we'll do another
1: show. Uh, I think we'll keep arguing. I think this we because should, think, yeah.
0: because yes, this is very important. May, and I think if we come re- back to this in a couple of weeks,
1: we may have different viewpoints on it too.
0: Absolutely, and I would love to see a little more data around the whole uh, notion that investors are getting savvier about investing in slideware. Because nothing would make me happier, but I'm not seeing it. <laughs> um, sure. But I will say, if you're a listener and you have a strong opinion on this, please write in. As you as, as you can see, you don't have to give any information about yourself. We are not collecting your data um greg where can folks write to
1: they can hit us up on our website we have a special page for follow-up at packetpushes.net mm-hmm. slash fu that's the letters fu really simple you don't need to give us your name or your email address and if you don't want us to mention if you do because you want to chat to us or whatever and we don't reply or make your life miserable we don't sell your details privacy is as private as we can make it it's the internet we have to collect your data on the website but we don't give it to anybody and we don't keep it and i'd be really interested to hear about this There's as you can see, Jonah and I are very passionately arguing multiple sides of this debate, and I think we're actually iterating towards some sort of solution here as we move our way through it. Thanks so much for listening today. We are Heavy Strategy. I'm Greg Farrow. You can find me on LinkedIn using Ethereal Mind as my main handle. I'm beginning to abandon Twitter because it's just not a happy place anymore. Where can they find you, Jonah. They
0: can find me on LinkedIn and please come hit us up on the Nemerti's website. We have a community where we we gather to talk about these things. So if you hit the website, click
1: on the link that says community, fill out the form, mention Packet Pushers, and you're in like Flynn. Thanks very much for listening. Please tell your friends about us and we'll look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks. We'll keep this one going.